Good morning. Hello. Might need to crank it up, David. Good morning, everyone. We've got quite a few people coming in through the door, so if there's room by you, scooch on down, wave people up, whatever it needs, whatever we need to do to help people find some room here. And uh, as people continue to come on in and find a place to sit, let's sing together. Let's sing together. <clears throat> shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Sing aloud to God, let the people shout before his throne. Hallelujah, sing aloud to God, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord from the ends of the earth, from the depths of the sea. Let all creation praise his name from the ends of the earth. From the depths of the sea, let all creation praise his name. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah. Unto the Lord from the ends of the earth, from the depths of the sea, let all creation praise his name from the ends of the earth, from the depths of the sea. Let all creation praise his name. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah, shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. It's good to see everybody here today. Uh, happy Father's Day to all of our fathers out there. 
It's good to see the fathers here present. It's a great uh, encouragement to those around us, to our children, to our grandchildren, to see this, to see the men in the congregation. We, so this is also a great day because Chris is preaching from the book of James, or at least the scripture from the book of James. I love that book, so I'm anticipating some good things this morning. We just want to welcome everybody here, and I hope that you're ready to praise God and to enjoy our time together. Let's start with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, it is so good to be here this morning. It's good to see everybody's uh, smiling faces behind those masks that we're wearing. Father, we ask that you be with us during our hour together. Help us, Father, to open our hearts and minds up. Help us to be ready and willing to receive the word, to lift our voices to you. Help us, Father, to be an encouragement to those that are around us and to those that we come in contact throughout the week. Bless this hour together, Father, and help us to do what is right. It's in your Son's name that we pray. Amen. Let's continue to worship together. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength. Let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name i sing for joy at the work of your hands forever i'll love you forever i'll stand nothing compares to the promise i have in you my jesus my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty love. My comfort, my shelter, tower of refuge and strength, let every breath, all that I am, never cease to worship you. Shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar. At the sound of your name, I sing for joy at the work of your hands. Forever I'll love you, forever I'll stand. Nothing compares to the promise I have in. Nothing compares to the promise I have in you. Amen. During this next song, our kids ages two through the fourth grade are dismissed through these doors to children's worship. And as we sing this next one, 764, I'm, I've got the book in front of me because this one's uh, not as fresh in my mind. So if you want to grab a book, you can. But as we sing this and the kids are dismissed, let's stand together. <clears throat> Our sermon today is about patience, and so I thought this song would be fitting. <clears throat> Teach me, Lord, to wait right down on my knees till in your own good time. Sorry. 
Um, let me start that over. Again, this is newer to me. <clears throat> Teach me, Lord, to wait right down on my knees till in your own good time you answer my plea. <clears throat> I'm sorry. Give me one more try at that. <clears throat> Teach me, Lord, to wait right down on my knees till in your own good time you answer my plea. Teach me not to rely on others might do. But to wait in prayer for an answer from you. Teach me, Lord, to wait right down on the flame. Let me humble my pride and call on your name. Keep my faith real. My eyes on thee, let me be on this earth, for you want me to be. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Teach me, Lord, teach me, Lord, to wait. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah this morning. We've got a great day ahead with singing and praising God. So again, thank you visitors for being here today. You're going to be really treated. Last week, we who were there were uh, treated with uh, 1 Corinthians 13. Chris is doing a lesson on, uh, on love is patient. So we're going to be reading from James 5, 7 to 11. And we as uh, who heard last week are going to be amazed because Chris turned another year last Monday, which means as age goes, so does wisdom. So this is going to be an incredible lesson today. And I've always wanted to do this. I've been thinking about it for about three years, but I heard a little bird come in and say, it's Greg Williams' birthday today, so you want to make sure you say hi to Happy birthday to Greg. Okay, let's... So let's read from God's Word. Be patient, then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer wait for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient, and stand firm, because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have, and have seen what the Lord finally brought about it. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. God bless the reading of his word. Amen.
Love is patient. And unfortunately, most of the time, I am not. Uh, if, I, if I'm going to confess something this morning, it's that uh, patience is something I don't understand a lot of the time. It's, uh, it's a thing I struggle with, and I, I, think, I think most of us struggle with it to a pretty great extent. Um, there's a danger in putting a count-up clock on a slide during your sermon, uh, in that the longer that that clock begins to run up, you wonder how much longer is he going to spend on this one slide here? How much time can we pass talking about one particular word? See, and this is, uh, in some ways, I think this summer might test a lot of people's patience. As I said, we're, we're going through 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're spending a summer doing it. And we're not even going to go through the whole chapter. Uh, I have to confess that this morning. We're going to fall a little bit short, uh, unless I do some hurry up uh, at the very end and lump things together. Um, I, I want to be honest this morning. I, in studying this particular passage, found myself really challenged. This particular passage, this, this small phrase, love is patient. It's, it's not a lot of words, but it's really difficult for me. See, uh, I, I started looking at this, and this, this uh, word that I have up here on the screen, this Greek word that we're only going to spend a little bit of time thinking about, this macrothumeo uh, is, is a word that we, we don't use in our language. And there's actually two Greek words in the New Testament that are used and translated as the English word patience. There's macrothumeo, and then there is hupomone. Hupomone. And these two words, they're related. They, they deal with how we perceive things, the way in which we respond to things. But one of them is about time, and one of them is about perseverance. Now, you may be thinking perseverance is about time. It's about, you know, weathering a period of time. Uh, it's about stead, uh, standing alongside somebody and being willing to uh, persevere with them. But they're on different scales. Uh, if you are familiar with the way that the, the Greek language works, a lot of times words are just sort of smashed together, two different words to create a brand new word. Uh, it's kind of like the German language. They, they say that there is a single word to describe almost anything in German, and some of these words get ridiculously unwieldy. They're like 15 letters long or 62 syllables or you know whatever it is that you want to think about these words. They're long, they're difficult to understand, but they're precise in what they mean. And macrothumeo is a word that is very precise in what it means. That first word there, that macro, it is not a description of uh, just something big. It is, it is this idea of something being long, very large, beyond simply a small scale. The idea here is that uh, this, this tied with the thumeo part of the word is telling us that it is long patience. It is a patience that extends beyond what most of us would think of patience being uh, intuitive to practice. A lot of times I think that I'm patient with someone if I give them 10 minutes of my time. <laughs> I'm being honest here. I, I, uh, I have a lot of trouble uh, being selfish with my time. And, and as I was reading through this passage and I looked at the ways in which Paul discusses what love is, I, my initial reaction to the word patience in the English language was, you know, it's about uh, abiding people's behaviors. It's about uh, being willing to put up with other people. It's about being willing to deal with them. And then I started thinking about how unloving that sounded in my own ears. As I was trying to process what Paul meant by love is patient, those were the things that first came to mind. Dealing with people, putting up with people. Man, 
how impatient do we have to be to think that that's what patience is? To just put up with people is patient. Well, that doesn't sound like loving patience. It sounds like someone who's a little bit spoiled and petulant. (laughs) Maybe that's me. Maybe I'm a little spoiled and petulant. Maybe I really need to rethink what it means to be patient with other people. And so when I turn to the Greek language, usually it's not to uh, impress people with the Greek language, but it's to better understand what Paul's intent in this particular passage is. And as I unpacked this word, as I thought about what it was that he was trying to say, and now I'm going to get rid of the timer on the screen for my own sake, it's to have patience, to wait, to be patient towards which didn't really seem to clarify a whole lot for me. (laughs) And so I had to go, and I had to do this study on the word itself. What does it mean? It means to be patient for a long time. There is is a very real temporal context to this, Uh, you know, an idea here that we let ages pass even in our patience with others. See, the, the word that Paul's chosen here is a word that we find, again, in James, where we're going to be in just a little bit. We find it in Peter's writings, and Peter explains to us that, that we are to be patient in the same way that God is patient. Uh, James has told us that we're supposed to be patient in the way that the prophets were patient. And as I began to think about that, I realized that the timescales in which we're dealing with when Paul says love is patient are compared to hundreds or thousands of years. That the people that we're supposed to emulate in our patience with other human beings is supposed to be so great that it it surpasses our own lifetime in this world. See, there's, there's this issue that we have in our culture. I'm going to be one of those preachers that riles against modern technology for just a second here. Uh, last, last year, I think Kyle preached against uh, AirPods. Uh, you know, interesting sermon there. And, and I gave him that idea, I think. And then I was like, oh, man, I'm really old. I'm riling against the music devices of kids. I'm going to rile against a modern technology, and it's one I'm wearing on my wrist right now. This is my watch. Now... I'm in the unfortunate position this morning that it's a very fancy watch that does a whole bunch of other things. But the thing I'm most concerned about this morning is the time it tells and how concerned I am with that time as it pertains to me. I am very concerned about making sure that the the hour hand on that clock represents primarily things that concern me and not so much things that concern other people. I don't know if you're like that. I don't know if you can empathize with me in this. I don't, I don't know if I'm alone in this, but a lot of times I describe time as my time. How am I going to spend my time? I'm happy to give you some of my time. I'd be willing to spend a little bit of my time with you. As though it's this currency, that it's something valuable, and in order for me to have time with you, I must give up something in order to do it, as though I am making an exchange of something valuable so that you can benefit from my time. And I don't know what this modern mania with with framing time as tremendously valuable is. Now, I want to be clear. I think that the amount of time that we've been given in this world is valuable. It's significant. It's something that we should consider very carefully how we use the time that we have been given. But I think a lot of times we are just tremendously selfish with our time. I think very often I am more concerned about hitting a specific appointment at a specific moment in the day than I am about giving of my time to someone who needs that time. And I think that we've been given so much time in so many cases because God wants us to use it for the benefit of others. Most of the time that I spend in my life, I'm busy thinking about how can I optimize these next 15, 20, 30 minutes of my life so that I get the maximum amount of enjoyment out of it. So that I can find myself entertained as I'm sitting on the couch watching Netflix after my kids have gone to bed. How I spend my time for me 
I don't know about you, but I, I think when Paul says love is patient, he is challenging maybe not the Corinthians, but certainly us to be unselfish with our time. Now, I want to be clear. I do think that later on in the chapter, Paul is going to tell us that we need to be patient with others in the ways in which we usually think of patience. Patience being being that we um, are willing to tolerate their behaviors to an extent, uh, that we are willing to uh, bear with them in the struggles and trials in which they face in their life. But I think I really think that here at the beginning, one of the things that Paul wants us to understand is that God has been patient with us, humanity, the world, mankind, to such an extent that for the entirety of our existence on this small ball that floats through the universe, that we could probably spare a little bit more of our time for the other people that he's placed within our lives. If the entire story of history is how God has sought to reclaim relationship with humanity, to draw us back into relationship with him for our benefit, maybe the 75, 80, 90 years of my life could be towards the same thing. See, I've been promised eternity. I have been promised eternity. I am a new creation in Christ, and I have not just the hope, but I believe the assurance of eternity for my soul. I believe that I will continue to exist long after this world has seen its climactic end and the rebirth of heaven and earth. I believe that with my whole being. And yet I spend a lot of time hoarding little time. Man, it's really hard to use like euphemisms for time and the ways in which we work without using the word time. We are tremendously concerned with getting that word in there as often as we possibly can. It's really difficult for me to imagine how if I genuinely believe that I will continue to exist for eternity, that I can't, I can't take 15 minutes to listen to someone tell me their story. That I can't drop my plans so that I can go and serve someone who genuinely needs the time that God has given me. Not my time, the time that God has given me. But I think we're all kind of slaves to the clock. I think we're slaves to our calendar I think that a lot of us are tremendously concerned with what's going to happen next week and how if we, if we change our plans for today, that might impact our enjoyment of the thing that happens tomorrow. I think a lot of us are really concerned that if we spend too much time doing X, Y, or Z, we won't be able to spend our time doing this other thing over here. In some ways, I think that we're a little bit like the man who, uh, who reaps this harvest, this great, tremendous, wonderful harvest, and he throws it all into barns, and then he dies that very night, right? We think that by sparing ourselves the need to serve others, by sparing the time that we have so that we might benefit from it, that we are going to build up a stockpile of opportunities to enjoy ourselves and find ourselves enriched by experiences rather than by relationships. And this is the crux of the matter. This is where I think Paul really wants us to hinge on this idea of love being patient. See, he's connecting love to our patience. And we all understand love is a relational thing, that it's a thing that happens between two persons, right? It happens between us and God, and it happens between us and other human beings. And yet, we don't often think of patience as something that is relational. We think of it as something that is within ourselves. I am a patient person. I abide other people. I, I put up with them. I tolerate them. I, you know, I I don't let myself get so frustrated that I, you know, let them see how upset I am with them. That makes me patient. But patience is not just about this internal quality, this thing that we say, you know, okay, well, I can put up with other people. It is our willingness to say, all the time which I have been given 
is for others and not myself. And I don't think that Paul is the only person that thinks this way. I don't think that this is, this is unique to Paul, and I don't think it's a, a particularly strange reading in the context of all of the New Testament. Because the more that I looked at this idea of patience within the New Testament, the more I found myself challenged to really see that when Paul talks about patience, what he is talking about is the willingness to give all of the time which we have been given for the sake of other people. To deny ourselves so that we might bless others and move them further into a relationship with God. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 through 9. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that the Lord one day, or to the Lord, a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is, and this is that same kind of patience here, patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Here, patience is is laid in the context of salvation for humanity. For you specifically, uh, uh, Peter is saying, that God's patience is for your benefit, his willingness to be slow to act, to not arrive at the conclusion of his plans, to get around to the next thing that he's been waiting for this whole time. Can you imagine if God's patience was such that, look, you know, I know that you have the possibility of being saved, but I've really got this whole apocalypse thing I need to get over with, and I'm sorry, I know it's inconvenient for you, but for me, it's a really good thing to do it right now. I've got it on my calendar, I want it to happen in this particular moment, and you know, I'm sorry, I just don't have the time for you. Now, to be fair, Peter goes on and he says that we don't know the day or the hour that it's going to happen. So there's some urgency on our behalf to respond to what God is doing. But God has been patient and continues to be patient for the sake of humanity so that they might receive salvation, so that you might receive salvation. Now, I want to ask you this. If God's patience with us was the same as our patience with the world, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, with our family members, how many of us would have had the opportunity to receive salvation? If my patience is a a day, If my patience and what I'm willing to extend to someone else for their benefit towards their salvation is a couple of months, or if I'm really generous, a year or two, how many of us have needed more of God's time and his patience than that to find ourselves in his grace? I think... Paul is asking us to stretch our understanding of what we owe to others in regards to our time. And he's asking us to stop being selfish with the time that we have been given by God for their benefit. And then the James passage. Patient, be patient therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Think about that phrase. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. What is he telling us to do? He's telling us to prepare something with inside ourselves, something that is in who we are, in anticipation of the coming of Lord, right? He's told us to be patient. Something that we're supposed to work on internally, something that we're supposed to then manifest outward in anticipation of the day of the Lord. Do not grumble against one another so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remained steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Are we patient like the prophets? 
See, I think a lot of the prophets got to the end of their lives and they said, well, God, you gave me a great message to share with a bunch of people who were lost. And, uh, you know, on my time scale, none of them responded. How horrible. How awful. I might as well have never done it in the first place. If all of Israel is going to go into captivity, what was the point of me preaching? And God says, you don't understand. There's a far bigger story being told here. It's on the macro scale. And yet, in our own lives, oftentimes I think we're like, unlike the prophets. God, I put all this time and energy and effort into these people. I I went to such great extent for them to listen, to hear the good news. I I walked alongside them in their addiction. I I ministered to them in their, their trials, and I bore with them in the ways in which you asked me to. And what was it all for? They never came to believe. They went off to another town. And we have this, like, idea that if they leave our town and go somewhere else. Well, that was the end of their story. I never saw it come to fruition in my time. So the story must be over. I think this is Paul's charge to us when he says love is patient. Remember, he told us that he's showing us a more excellent way. See, I I confessed last week what I wanted to be able to do is like lay hands on somebody and like raise them from the dead or make their legs work again or help them to see. Like, wouldn't it be cool if I could spit in the mud and then like rub it on their face and they could see again? I can't even do that for myself. I have to put contacts in my eyes every morning. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Bam! Instant gratification on the gift that I've been given. But love isn't about instant gratification. Love is not about overnight results. Love is about patience. Love is big picture. It recognizes that any amount of my time, any amount of time that God has given me, that I give to someone else, is ultimately playing into the large story that God is telling So this morning, I want to encourage us to think like the prophets. As we contemplate patience and what it means to love people, because I think, especially if you go back and read some of these prophets that have very dark and gloomy messages for the people of Israel, what we find is not a person who is just tremendously uh, hateful towards the Israelite people. We find someone whose heart is moved deeply and compassionately towards God's people and is frustrated by their behaviors, but tremendously optimistic about what God can do for them given God's time. Can we adopt that heart of the prophets? See, in Acts chapter 2, I posted this on Facebook a couple weeks ago and nobody bit and like asked me what I was talking about. Uh, I posted about this idea that there's, there's this whole passage where Peter is telling the crowd what is happening as these flames of fire are over people's head, these tongues of fire, and they're speaking in ways that people don't understand. And he says, this is the moment. This is the time, the, the, the day of the Lord. Don't you remember what the prophet said? that your young men will dream dreams, your, your women will have visions, they'll prophesy, there will be these great signs and wonders that happen. In other words, Peter is saying that the church is this prophetic movement that is going to speak truth to a world that desperately needs to hear it. And we like the bottom of the passage. We like the end of Acts chapter 2 where we're like, yeah, that's the church we want to be. We want to get together. We want to read scripture. We want to sing together. We want to give some money and support one another in our needs. And those are wonderful things. But at the very beginning of the passage, Peter is saying, God's church is going to bear with you guys in the way that the prophets bore with Israel. They're going to tell you the things you need to hear. They're going to love you in such a way that you will respond to it. Maybe not in their time, but certainly in God's time. See, if we're going to embrace the idea of love, not just as happy emotions that we feel towards one another, liking one another, putting up with one another, I think we need to embrace the vision of the prophets. Not just towards one another, but towards the people outside of our walls. 
We need to be deeply unselfish with our time and recognize that whatever we have given, whether we see the fruits of it or not, God has given to us so that they might believe. So that every person that needs to hear the good news of the love of Jesus might believe. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, this morning I begin my prayer with a confession that I am deeply selfish with my time. That I think far too much about the minutes, hours. God, let's be honest, I sometimes think too much about the seconds that pass in my interactions with others. And I am deeply, deeply ashamed of that. You have called us to see things in a far bigger picture than we often do. On the grand scale of all of history, we are called to give a very small piece of the life that you have given to us in order to bless others. God, again, maybe 90 years in some cases. And in all of eternity, that is a blink of an eye. None of us sitting in this room right now have any concept of what a thousand years looks like, let alone eternity, and yet we are so concerned with keeping these, these small coins in our pockets that we call seconds and minutes. And you have given us something so much more abundant. Father, we, we don't even have the beginning of an understanding of what it would be to tithe our time to give a tenth of what it is that you have given to us. And so, Father, as, as I struggle with this myself, I pray that you change my heart. I pray that you help me to love patiently, to be patient with others so that they might experience the love that you have given to me. I pray that for everyone in this room this morning. Help us to be unselfish with our time. Help us to be less concerned about finding our fulfillment here and pursuing pursuing small happinesses instead of the great joy that comes from bringing others to a realization of the love that you have for them. And if that takes hours, and if it takes days, and if it takes weeks, and if it takes decades, help us to be willing to give the time that you have given to us to others. Change our hearts. Help us to love in the way that Jesus does. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. I want to tell you this. This is my, my closing thought this morning. I want you to imagine a Jesus who couldn't spare time for the people that were in his life. I want you to think for just a minute about the stories that we encounter in the Gospels and imagine a Jesus who had a watch on his wrist to be able to say, ah, you know, I've got an appointment in 10 minutes. I know you're a leper and this has been something you've dealt with for a long time now, but I've really got something urgent I've got to go take care of. I don't know about you, it's a very hard thing for me to picture. And we are called as Christians to model ourselves after our Lord and Savior. I'm not saying that your appointments aren't important. I'm not saying that your family time is not important. These are things that we have to honor, things that we want to make sure are taken care of. In fact, if you're neglecting your family because you're selfish with your time, you're failing in a big ministry that God has given to you. But I want you to consider very carefully if you are modeling Jesus or if you're modeling Jesus with a watch on his wrist. I want to tell you this, too. Jesus never has a watch on his wrist when it comes to you and your time. He is prepared to hear the things that you have that concern you. When we pray, God is instantly ready to hear what it is that concerns us. He's instantly ready to listen and to, to be patient with us in our suffering, our trials, our questionings, the things that we have that are in our heads that are these little nagging doubts. God is patient with us in that. And if you are struggling this morning and you find that humanity has failed you in their patience, I want to promise you that God will never fail you in his patience. God will never fail to be present for you when you need him. We believe that uh, God is ready for you right now, in fact, and he's ready for you right now. And he's ready for you right now, and he'll be ready for you tomorrow, and he'll be ready for you the next day. But we hope that you recognize the urgency of the matter. 
Because as long as God is willing to wait for you, he will wait for you. But at the same time, there comes a point where you have to make a decision. Will I accept the patience of God? Will I accept the love that he's shown me? And if you need to do that this morning, if you need someone to be patient with you, if you need to accept God and his patience and his love, we offer that opportunity to you. We'd invite you uh, to find someone to talk to this morning. I'll be at the back of the auditorium. If you want to be baptized this morning, don't be patient about that. Do it, do it now. Uh, if you don't want to be baptized this morning, but you want to talk to somebody about baptism, we'd be happy to do that and wait with you as long as you need us to wait alongside you and, and to pray with you and consider this good news. Let's stand as we sing. Lord, we come before thee now. At thy feet we humbly bow. Oh, do not our suit disdain. Shall we seek thee, Lord, in vain? Shall we seek thee, Lord, in vain? Lord, on thee our souls depend. In compassion now descend. Fill our hearts with thy rich grace. Tune our lips to sing thy praise. <clears throat> Tune our lips to sing thy praise. In thine own appointed way, now we see thee, here we stay. Lord, we know not how to go, till a blessing thou bestowed, till a blessing thou Grant that all may seek and find Thee, a God supremely kind Heal the sick, the captive free Let us all rejoice in Thee rejoice in thee. Amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> These next couple songs will help prepare our minds and our hearts for the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory behold the man upon the cross my sin upon his shoulders ashamed I hear my mocking voice Call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it 
grows weak when for deeper faith I seek then in thought I go to thee garden of Gethsemane there I walk amid the shades while the lingering Twilight fades. See that suffering, friendless one, weeping, praying there alone. When my love for man grows weak, when for stronger faith I seek, hill of scenes of fear and woe. There behold his agony suffered on the bitter tree. See his anguish, see his faith, love triumphant still in then to life I turn again, learning all the worth of pain, learning all the might that lies in a full self-sacrifice. Amen. Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing? Good. Come on. Don't you just love technology when it works? I really appreciate what... Let me take this off. I really appreciate what Chris had to say this morning. In fact, I appreciate it so much that I'm having to change what I'm going to say because he said most of what I was going to say. So <laughs> I'm rewriting as we go, so forgive me if I'm uh, a little bit unedited here. Chris talked about spending our time in relationships the same way that Jesus spent his time in relationships. And I want to confirm that because... About three years ago, I met a man in my neighborhood, and I made the decision that I wanted to disciple him. And so I prayed to God. I said, God, help me disciple him. Three years later, I'm still discipling him. We've moved and we've made progress, 
and I've been sharing Jesus with him, but we still have a long ways to go. It takes time. It takes patience. So don't give up. If you love somebody and you really care about them, don't give up. Make that a part of who you are and what you are. Also, I want to emphasize this point that Chris made about God's patience. Uh, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, we, Nelda and I went to a workshop on how to teach unchurched people, people who had never heard the gospel before. And so we went, and they were teaching us this method on how to do it. One of the things they gave us was this list of scriptures. He said, don't try and teach the whole Bible. Don't try and get into all the things like in numbers and so forth, because you can get lost pretty fast and and all of that stuff. So what they gave us was a condensed list of, of, of things to teach. And it starts with Genesis, of course, because if, if you don't have a background in Genesis, if you don't know where we all came from, then you don't have a, a way to, to move forward. So we start in Genesis and we work on our way through it. Anyway, what was interesting to me is something he said. He said, don't be surprised if people come to you in, when you get to Genesis 12 and you're talking about the promises made to Abraham. People don't ask to be baptized. I looked at him. I said, I literally said, you're crazy. Well, at least I said it to myself. And I challenged him with it later on, and he confirmed it. And then later, as I talked to other people who had done this, and eventually, as we taught it to our teachers who went to China, when they were teaching people more often than not, well, not more often than not, but on a fairly regular basis, they were saying they were having people who were coming to them in Genesis 12 saying, I want to be baptized. That was when I realized what the other thing this guy said. He said, the Bible is the story of Jesus. It is the gospel from beginning to end. And that stunned me because that's God's patience. God is not slow. That's just the way God works. He sees the big picture and he runs the long race. And that's what we need to do. We need to be patient and run the long race. John chapter 3. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Anyone who believes in him will not die, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to judge the world. He sent his son to save the world through him. This morning we're going to take with these wonderful, uh, what do they call them, peel and sip cups. We're going to take communion here. The bread to represent the body of Christ, the blood to represent the blood that was shed on the cross, the blood that saves us, that purifies us, and gives us the hope of eternal life. Pray with me. Father, help us to realize that you loved the world so much that you sent your son. And as your children, we need to realize that we need to love Others, We need to love the world. We need to love those who are in the world the same way you love them and allowed when you sent your son. That we need to have that same willingness to sacrifice our own lives in that service. And that we need to be patient with people. We need to be patient with the plan. We need to know that you are at work in this world today to save people. This morning, Father, as we take this bread, help us remember that this bread is the body of Christ, the body that hung on the cross, and the body that is your church. The church that is purpose is to reach the lost and to share Jesus with the world. Thank you so much for him. In his name we pray. Amen.
I was asked one time, if the bread can be the body of Christ on the cross, but also be the body of Christ, which is the church, does the cup have a double representation? We know it's the blood that was shed for us that cleanses us and makes us whole and purifies us. And it took me the longest time to find the answer. Yes, there is. There is a second meaning. I think it's in Leviticus. They were t- the, the children of Israel were told that they were to not drink the blood of animals because the life is in the blood. It is the blood that cleanses us and purifies us, but it's also the blood that gives us life so that we can be God's children, pure and holy. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for our salvation. Thank you for Jesus dying on the cross and for his blood being shed as a sacrifice for our sins so that we can be whole and pure. But help us remember, Father, that there are all kinds of people in the world who, many who will never even hear the name of Jesus, let alone hear about his blood that was shed for him. Father, we ask that you bless us now as we partake of this cup. In his name we pray. Amen. This church has work to do, things that need to be done, especially things that help people and share the good news of Jesus. I'm going to ask you this morning, uh, pay attention. Up here are ways for you to be able to give to the church here. Um, Please remember to do that. Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for this church for their love and compassion for for other people, how they reach out and touch the lives of people in need. Father, uh, we ask that you bless the things that we do. In your son's name we pray, amen. Sing our final song for the morning. <clears throat> love one another, for love is of God. He who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not.
God is love. 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 God is love, God is love, God is love, and all thy soul, all thy strength, all thy love, love the Lord, thy God with all. Hey, just a couple of quick announcements. We, uh, I think that we have camps starting out there at Camp Yamhill, so please keep those people and the, and the kids out there involved in your prayers. Uh, we also have VBS going to start in about a month here, so please be preparing for that and praying for that as well. So in closing, let's stand together and we'll close in prayer. Pray with me. Our Heavenly Father, we are so grateful for Chris's lesson uh, this morning to teach us about patience. Father, we need patience, and we need to practice that. And so, Father, this week I ask that you help us to be mindful about patience, less selfish and more loving. Uh, it is a difficult thing to summon some patience sometimes, but we are to be Christ-like if we call ourselves a Christian. So help us to do these things. Help us, Father, to have a good week. and to always put you first. And these things we ask in your son's name. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>